Surrounded by family members of homicide victims and by comedian Amy Schumer, President Barack Obama burst into tears at a press conference yesterday as he was announcing his executive actions assaulting Americans' Second Amendment right to bear arms. I've just realized the president said, sobbing and sobbing, that homicide rates are at historic lows and that this trampling on American rights is totally unnecessary. Blubbering through his tears, he went on, none of the measures I've just proposed would have done anything to stop recent mass killings, and no one wants more gun control anyway, so I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. And why is Amy Schumer here? What the hell is going on? It's all so confusing. As onlookers tried to console the hysterical chief executive, Obama covered his face with his hands and wept loudly, crying out, my ideology has made me completely irrational. Can't someone help me? Anyone, please. After the president was escorted wailing off the stage, commentators said it was the saddest moment in this administration, at least since Obama surrendered the last president's victory in Iraq and allowed the Middle East to go up in flames. Our hearts go out to the president of the United States. Trigger warning. I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. He's so sad, that Barack. He cried and cried. I talk, you know, he has a knack. I mean, he, he really has a talent. You have to give the devil his due. He has a talent for making right-wingers crazy. I mean, he, sometimes he does it on purpose. I know he, love, he loves it when we get angry. Sometimes I think like now he's just playing to his base and it's just an ancillary benefit as far as he's concerned. That it may, I, ta- I, told, I told Ben yesterday, yesterday, Shapiro, I told him that he makes me want to do one of those Three Stooges things, you know, where you grab his nose between your knuckles and twist it around while Obama goes, nyah, nyah, nyah. <laughs> it's just, he just makes you that crazy. Anyway, let's move on. Enough of, enough of Obama and his gun craziness. I mean, it, it, it's true. You know, homicide, they keep talking about gun violence because they don't want to mention what they're talking about. It's a lot of suicides. Most of the gun violence in this country are guys killing themselves with guns because guys are efficient, and when they mean to kill themselves, they, they don't want to do any of this girly stuff where they take pills. They just blow their heads off. So anyway... Um, what else? Uh, something I just wanted to recommend. You know, this is the year I've promised myself. I've promised myself I'm going to learn something about science fiction. I've never been a science fiction fan. Uh, I, I like in movies where there's special effects and where the actors give it character. When I read it, a lot of times I get very bored because it's not about character. It's about ideas. It's about these big ideas. What if this happened? What if that happened? And they don't really bother to write real characters. And people say, you know, well, didn't you like Ender's Game? I think the characters in Ender's Game are these stick figure, you know, cliches. And I really, I really didn't like it, even though I could see, well, that's a really interesting idea. However, the people at Sci-Fi, I've been talking to them a little bit because I just go over there every now and again to meet and greet and see if I can, if there's anybody around there who might want to buy something from me, you know, and I, they've been telling me that they've been kind of going big. They lost their brief for a while. They sort of didn't want to be sci-fi. It wasn't working and all their shows were bad. They had these shows that you would think, wow, this show sounds really good, you know, and you turn it on and think like, please kill me now. You know, you'd watch half of the first episode. But this time they've gone really big and they're doing all these specials. And the first one, just at the end of last year, was Childhood's End based on an Arthur C. Clarke novel he wrote 2001. And I watched it. It's six hours long, three, three parts, six hours long. I gotta say, it was really, really fascinating. Did you watch it? Have you seen it yet? I recorded it. Yeah, take a look at it. I, I found it fascinating. I could not turn it off. I was mystified about what was gonna happen, which almost never happens to me. I was st- sitting there staring at it, thinking, what is this about? Good. There were hints of good characterizations. I'm gonna read the book and find out more about it, but take a look at it. I, I It's not perfect. It's I, I was disappointed in parts of it, but I just thought it was really, really gripping. 
Uh, so that's that's what I'm going to be doing. Every time I have a chance, I'm going to be reading a little science fiction. Last year, I, I learned New Testament Greek. I taught myself New Testament Greek. And so far this year, I have read six sentences in the Gospel of John. And if you think that's nothing to read six sentences in Greek, you don't know any Greek. Because I gotta tell you, it is the hardest language ever. It really is. Anyway, so today, we're going to be talking about rape. That's what I'm going to be talking about. Rape is in the news, and there's a lot of it to say. And I have something very specific to say about it, something that has bothered me about this and bothered me about the way the left treats rape. So, because rape is a very, very special and different crime. It is different than almost any other crime I can think of. And I'll tell you why when I'm finished telling you why I brought this up. So we begin with Donald Trump. Obviously, Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton's going to bring Bill Clinton in, and Donald Trump started to hit Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton on the fact that Bill was a serial abuser. Many, many women have accused him of using, he's been accused of using state troopers when he was Arkansas governor to go out and solicit women and bring them in. He was accused of uh, assaulting a woman, essentially, Catherine Wiley. He's been accused of exposing himself, all this stuff. And of course, you know, we all remember these scandals, the Monica Lewinsky scandal, the Jennifer Flowers scandal. And the press has immediately rushed, this is their job, the press has immediately rushed to Hillary's defense because they are here to speak power to truth. <laughs> They're here to shut down. So last year on the show, I played this bit of Don Lemon on CNN shutting down Kurt Schlichter as he tried to bring it up. But let's just play a little bit at the end of it so we can see this is basically the tack that the news media wants to take. You're talking about something that happened over a decade ago. The man has been impeached for it. She is not responsible for her husband's actions, yet you are bringing it into a campaign and it doesn't seem fair. What if you did the same thing with Donald Trump from something his spouse or his father, if someone else did in his family? It has nothing to do with him running for president. We're talking about his own actions, his own individual merit. So if you're going to talk about Hillary Clinton, then bring Hillary Clinton's actions into it. Don't bring well, her I, husband's I, actions I, I, into it. I'd like to bring it. Hillary Clinton's actions into it. Absolutely. When she was the, given the choice between standing with a serial sexual abuser and All right, Kurt. Stop, 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 stop. That's not fair. That's not fair. That's not fair. Can we stop that, please? It is not fair. It is not fair. It is a low blow. It is the, yes, I want to end it. This is the lowest of the low. And it has nothing to do with Hillary Clinton. A cheap shot that. Can you please stop? Can we stop? Can we cut him off, please? Thank you. Can we end this? Thank you. We're done. Okay, it's the lowest of the low to bring up Hillary Clinton's role in the Bill Clinton sex scandals. And that, I, there's one other thing from CNN I want to play, because CNN has just become comedy gold, you know, like <laughs> Comedy Central. Comedy Central is nothing compared to CNN. This is the palace guard. This is journalists who told us and told us as they were attacking George W. Bush over nothing. They told us it's their job to speak truth to power. The only one of them who is you know, is uh, Chris Matthews on Hardball. When Obama got elected, he said, it's my job to help make this presidency work. <laughs> somebody actually on on MSNBC, somebody questioned, that's what a journalist does? And he said, yes. I always my, admired him for that. I thought, you know, you're you're basically a prostitute and you admit it, you know, you're not, you're, pr you're not proud, you just stand up, you know. I'm, I, oh, I should have said a sex worker, I'm sorry. But like, he, he comes out, he's going to support this presidency. These guys have formed a phalanx around the Democrat Party, and now they're forming, they formed it around Obama, now they're forming it around Hillary. Listen to this, though. I love this. First, this is CNN commentator Errol Lewis, and he's talking to Alison Camerata, the, anch the anchor of this show, and ex explaining why Donald Trump is attacking Bill Clinton. 
Donald Trump wants to take Bill Clinton out of the equation. He wants to either embarrass him or otherwise frighten him off the campaign trail. Unlikely to happen, but that is the strategy to sort of get him out of the picture so that he can go after Hillary Clinton without her biggest booster, one of the most popular Democrats in the country. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen, but you know, after what we've seen with uh, Bill Cosby and with uh, old accusations, there are about 14 women who could be said to have made claims at one time is or that another. Right? 14? Well, I mean, that's if you go to the, the sort of the right wing websites and the talk radio crowd, there are about 14 names out there. Yeah, we're just we're just making those names up, folks. You know, <laughs> what was her name? Jane, Jane Smith. I don't know. We just, she, you know, it's like, yeah, those right wingers. And I just love Alice. She doesn't even know. She doesn't even know. It's just it's just something you know out there in the right wing blogosphere that's been. And she hasn't. She's like, what? Four, Fourteen people? I mean, you know, because because that's getting into Bill Cosby territory. <laughs> I mean, you know, if fourteen people have stepped forward, there are at least fourteen others sitting there sobbing in a corner somewhere because they don't want it to come out. You know, so. That's that, that's a big thing, and here's the problem: it is about Hillary. It is fair, fair game about Hillary because she. It's it's not just about Hillary. It's about the entire feminist left. The entire feminist left stood up for this guy, stood up for Bill Clinton, and attacked the women who were accusing him. Now you go back. I mean, this is where the phrase "the vast right wing conspiracy" got its legs. Was when she went on, Hillary Clinton went on with Bill, holding hands with Bill, sitting with Matt Lauer, and she said, "This Monica Lewinsky thing. This is just the vast right wing conspiracy." You know, this is before he admitted I had sex with that woman. You know, that that dame over there. Yeah, this is before that, but it was Hillary Clinton standing up for. Her. Think back, though, before this, because remember they had the bimbo eruptions, and if you think Hillary Clinton didn't know about this, this is ridiculous, she was an integral part of his campaign. In his first campaign, they had these bimbo eruptions, and one of them was Jennifer Flowers, who came out with tapes because she had secretly taped their conversations. All my girlfriends do that. I don't. It's just a sexy thing they did. Uh, she had secretly taped these conversations, and Jennifer Flowers came out and said, we had an affair, and Clinton denied it, but ultimately is said to have confirmed it in testimony that I don't think has been released. Now, this is the woman that, you know, uh, Clinton's guy, James Carville, said, this is what you get when you drag a dollar bill through a trailer park, okay? He, he says he said about Jennifer Flowers. Some people said he said about Paula Jones, who sued Clinton for exposing himself to her. But that's what he said, and he was rewarded for that by becoming a, a major league commentator on several networks, including our friends at the Fox Network, where I think he is now a contributor. Okay, this is a guy who took a woman who came out and told the truth and said, this is what you get when you drag a dollar bill through a trailer park. That was the level of disdain and attacks. Hillary Clinton went out. We have a tape of her. She, she was at a roast. This is the week the Jennifer Flowers story broke, okay? So she goes out to a roast for her friend Ron Brown, who later would become the Secretary of Commerce, I think. And she gets up and gives this speech to dismiss, to tamp down this bimbo eruption. So just listen to a little bit of the speech she's making at this roast. She's joking around about these accusations. It's 10 o'clock, and where is Bill Clinton? Well, Bill Clinton, Larry, and I've come to Washington to make just a complete confession. Uh, it's hard, but, you know, there just comes a time when you have to stand up there and say it like it is. Bill Clinton is with the other woman in his life. And I'm sure you'll read about it 
as you're checking out of the supermarket next week. And when you do, I want you to know that you heard it first here, that he is back in Little Rock, Arkansas, which has become the capital of all kinds of stories, attending a Y-teen dance with his daughter, Chelsea. <laughs> you know, after the week I've had, I don't want to roast anybody. I did not really understand what Bill meant a couple of months ago when we got into this presidential campaign and he looked at me one day and he said, you know, my big problem in this campaign is I have to figure out how to escape obscurity. Well, he figured out how to escape obscurity. Okay, this is the woman who tweeted just a couple of weeks ago, to every survivor of sexual assault, you have the right to be heard, you have the right to be believed, we're with you. Okay, so she's a total hypocrite, but again, it's not just her, it's the entire feminist left. Listen to an article written in a, The Independent, which is a middle-of-the-road British paper, while this stuff was going on. This is uh, a, a woman writing in The Independent. Okay, class, she says, let's review. The man in question, Clinton, has been sued for sexual harassment over an episode that allegedly included dropping his trousers to waggle his erect penis at a woman who held a $6.35 an hour clerical job in the state government over which he presided. Another woman is charged that when she asked him for a job, he invited her into his private office, fondled her breasts, and placed her her hand on his crotch. A third woman conceded to friends that when she was a 21-year-old intern, she began an affair with the man, much older, married, and the head of the organization whose lowliest employee she was. Actually, it was less an affair than a service contract in which she allegedly dashed into his office as Monica Lewinsky when summoned to perform oral sex on him. After the, their liaison was revealed, he denied everything, leaving her to be betrayed as a tramp and a liar, or in his own words, that woman. Let us not even mention the former lover who was steered to a state job with a man's alleged habit of using law enforcement officers to solicit sexual partners for him or his routine use of staff, lawyers, and private investigators to tar the reputation of any woman who tries to call him to account for his actions. With very few exceptions, feminists were either silent or dismissive. If anything, it sounds like she put the moves on him, said Susan Faludi, author of Backlash. <clears throat> Betty Friedan, the famous feminist, weighed in, but only to huff her outrage that Clinton's enemies are attempting to bring him down through allegations about some dalliance with an intern. Whether it's a fantasy, a setup, or true, I simply don't care. It was not until former White House volunteer Kathleen Willie, is it Willie or Wiley? Willie, appeared on 60 Minutes in mid-March to make public the allegation she had formally made in a deposition that Clinton had manhandled her during a private meeting in which she sought a paying job that some feminists began to make reluctant noises of dismay, but many other feminist activists hung tough. Anita Perez Ferguson, president of the National Women's Political Caucus, the premier group promoting female participation in Americans, American politics, described Willie's charges as quantity rather than quality in terms of my feelings. There's no question that it's disturbing, but to come to any judgment now is definitely not something that I think is timely. Okay, so that's, that's pretty much the big feminist lineup. There were people in, in the New York Times, feminists in the New York Times writing, oh, I'd do it for Bill Clinton, you know, as long as, you know, as, long as he votes. The other day, Joy Behar on The View 
a show that I can probably say I've only seen once when I was stuck in a gym on one of those elliptical machines and I couldn't get up to turn the channel and it was like having somebody, you know, like drive a nail into your ear. <laughs> but Joy Behar, she just came out, she came right out and said it. She said what just what the left means. Go ahead and play that. It's her policies that really matter. Yeah. Like Republicans have voted against the Violence Against Women Act. Now that to me is more important than anything that Bill Clinton did or didn't do because it's what she's going to vote for, how she's going to lead the country that matters more than that. It's also but the fact on the that other she hand, speaks. he is a dog. Let's face it's it. A, a Teddy Kennedy. Remember Chappaquiddick? Am I the oldest, oldest person in no, the world? I remember okay. that. Chappaquiddick. I mean, <laughs> he, a girl drowns and he abandons her and he drowned. And pe women still voted for Teddy Kennedy. Why? True. Because he voted for women's rights, that's why. That's the bottom line of it, in my opinion. I mean, I don't like either one of them, to tell you the truth, Teddy or Bill. But they're both dogs, as far as I'm concerned. But I still will vote for Bill Clinton, because yeah. he votes in my favor. Okay, so that's, that's it. He votes in my favor, so I would vote for a man like Teddy Kennedy, who left a woman, probably his mistress, to drown in a car she was in that car for a long time, alive, according to the coroner, while he went home, back to his hotel, and changed his clothes, called his lawyer, chatted with friends, while she's pounding on the window of the car and dying inside. And that's fine with her. That's fine with Joy and with the left, let's face it, with all of them. It's fine with her as long as he votes properly. It never occurs her to ask, why is it guys like that who vote for the things that she likes? Why is it guys like that? And that's what I'm, I'm getting to in a minute. But... Let's remember, this is why, this is why other people don't get off so easy. Suddenly the feminist Clarence Thomas made a couple of untoward remarks. I mean, this is, if the worst is true, if the worst is true about what Anita Hill said about Justice Clarence Thomas, he made a couple of untoward remarks and he was dragged through the streets, okay? Bill Cosby now, now I, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, Bill Cosby was my hero when I was a kid. Other kids had pictures of football players on their walls. I had pictures of Bill Cosby. I thought I, I could do a perfect imitation of Cosby. I, you know, I watched I Spy, every episode of I Spy. I just thought he was the coolest thing I had ever seen. I, I believe the allegations against him. I know, I know people who know people. I mean, I'm just, just close enough to believe them. But... He was protected all those years. I mean, people always knew this until until 2004 when the shield of protection, when he said this. Play the, the Cosby cut. This is what he said at a speech. I'm talking about these people who cry when their son is standing there in an orange suit. Where were you when he was two? Where were you when he was 12? Where were you when he was 18? And how come you don't know he had a pistol? These are not, these, these are not political criminals. These are people going around stealing Coca-Cola. People getting shot in the back of the head over a piece of pound cake. And then we all run out and we're outraged. Oh, the cops shouldn't have shot him. What the hell was he doing with the pound cake in his hand? Brown versus the Board of Education is no longer the white person's problem. We've got to take the neighborhood back. No longer the white person's problem. It's 
the black guy's problem. That is when the veil of protection left Bill Cosby. That's the moment when it left Bill Cosby. I'm not condoning anything he did. If it's true, if the stories are true, he's a deeply, deeply sick man and deserves to be punished even at this late date. I'm not saying anything about it, but I'm just saying he was protected all those years for exactly the reason that Joy Behar said. He was a rec representative of you know, black success, black progress, they, you know, perfect, you know, poster guy for their, their point of view. The minute he stepped out of line, the minute he stepped off the plantation like Clarence Thomas, suddenly he was guilty. Suddenly Lena Dunham, a big Clinton supporter, a big Clinton supporter is telling us that Bill Cosby, what Bill Cosby did is worse than the Holocaust. Be fair to her, she apologized for that remark, but she but she meant it, you know. I mean, she's telling us that what Bill Cosby did is terrible, Bill Clinton did, and the fact that Hillary Clinton fronted, it's okay. Joy Behar gets it right, okay? All of that, so just remember that. All of this brings me to what happened in Germany on the New Year. In the city of Cologne and several other cities, women were attacked en masse in these New Year's Eve celebrations by what looked like Muslim immigrants. They all described the same thing. These were Africans and, you know, Middle Eastern guys who attacked them. They were surrounded them. One woman says she was raped. All of them says, say they were fondled. So the mayor of Cologne, a, a woman, a female mayor, of course, immediately came out and condemned the attackers. Oh, wait, no, she didn't. The mayor of Cologne said today that women should adopt a code of conduct. Women should adopt a code of conduct to prevent future assault at a crisis meeting following the sexual attack of women by 1,000 men on New Year's Eve, okay? Mayor Henriette Recker attended on an emergency meeting with Chief of Police Wolfgang Albers and Wolfgang Wurm to discuss how to deal with the attack where dozens of women were repeatedly touched and groped with one case of alleged rape in the center of town. She said, quote, it is important to prevent such incidents from ever happening again. We have heard by now that the attacks have occurred in other cities. This, of course, is not comforting to us. Hamburg also received complaints of sexual assault. The crisis management team said prevent <coughs> prevention measures should include a code of conduct for young women and girls. Mayor Recker said the existing code of conduct will be updated online. The suggested code of conduct includes maintaining an arm's length distance from strangers. So you're not allowed, if you're female, you're not allowed to be part of the crowd on New Year's Eve. Stick within your own group. So don't meet anybody because that's, you know, that's on you. Don't ask, by, oh, ask bystanders for help or to intervene as a witness or to inform the police if you are the victim of such an assault. And I'll get back to that, <coughs> that uh, idea in a minute. In anticipation of large carnivals in the city center in February, Mayor Recker promised an increased police presence. She warned young women about the potential dangers of drunken events. People expressed frustration at the focus on the victims, okay? This sort of thing is happening all over Europe. I mean, the rape of women and the, they're being forced to wear, uh, women who are not Muslims being forced to wear headdress so they don't get attacked and called whores on the streets. You remember this hideous, hideous case in England, in Rotherham, I think it was, uh, in Yorkshire, where for something like 16 years, adult Muslim men, Pakistanis, were allowed to groom children for use of sex, in imitation of Muhammad's marrying to Aisha, who was six years old when he married her, nine years old when he first had sex with her. They did this while the police, you know, to say that they looked on is too kind. To say that they looked on is too kind. The police arrested a man trying to get his daughter out of a house during this time. They, uh, they would accuse these girls. These girls would go in and say, I'm being repeatedly raped, I'm being enslaved, I'm being owned, and they would treat the, them, they would treat them like the criminals. And they said, when, the, when it all came out, they said, 
because we didn't want to seem racist. We didn't want to seem racist against the Muslims, okay? So multiculturalism trumps rape. Abortion rights trump rape. Leftist votes, as Joy Barra said, they trump rape. Everything trumps rape on the left. Everything is more important than rape on the left. Rape is only important if, like Bill Cosby or Clarence Thomas, you step off the plantation. So why? Why is that? Why is it that the guys who are supposedly the champions of women's rights, of abortion and free sex and all the things that feminists want, why is it that they're the rapists? Because one of our guys commits rape, and I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but a conservative commits rape, we crucify him. Conservative commits rape, he is gone. I mean, he's gone, baby, gone. You will never see somebody on Fox News, some woman on Fox News saying, oh, yeah, I'll vote for him even though he committed rape. You know, they, I mean, it just doesn't happen on the right. Rape is a fascinating and unique crime. So think about this for a minute. In most Western countries, most Christian countries, let me say, rape is considered just short of murder. I mean, you, there's murder and then there's rape. But if you think about it for a minute, the actions, the physical actions that are performed during rape, leave out the, any incidental violence that's used to coerce somebody, leave out any incidental coercion, the actual actions that, is, that constitute the crime of rape is the same action as making love. Same action, right? You're doing the same exact thing. And yet in one case it's rape, and in another case it's making love. It's you know, one of our, our highest pleasures. Okay, that's why a lot of the feminists back in the 80s, the craziest feminists like Andrea Dworkin, said all sex is rape, all heterosexual sex is rape, because, look, it's the same thing. It's just a guy invading a woman's space, so it's rape. You know, what's, what's the difference? What's the difference? It's a good question. What is the difference? What we're saying when we accuse a man of rape, okay, is that a woman has free will, that a woman is not her body, a woman is something else. We're saying really that any person is, but in this specific case, it's usually a woman. Might be a man, men can be raped, but let's say, let's just look at it as women for a minute. We are saying that a woman is not a piece of, is not a meat puppet. She's not a meat robot. She actually has something spiritual about her that has the right to say no. That is free will. She is something spiritual. She's a spirit. Rape is a spiritual crime. It's a spiritual crime. The only difference is the woman said no. The only difference was her free will. She chose to say no. The left, this left that thinks a baby in the womb is just a bunch of cells, you know, the left that thinks a woman's freedom is all involved in being promiscuous and acting sexually like a man, they think, they, all they think about is material. All they think about is how much money you have, what power you have, how much sex you can have, and if there's, a if there's some kind of consequence to the sex, cut it out. Because what is it? It's just cells. You're just cells to them. You're just cells to them, okay? And if once you say that somebody has a will and that their will matters, and to violate that will is a crime, one of the worst crimes, only Christian countries say it. Christian countries say it because we recognize that there's a spiritual fact to life. The left is not giving you freedom, okay? Freedom of abortion, freedom of promiscuity, they are just reducing you to a piece of meat, and they don't care about rape, and that's why they support the facilitators, a killer like Teddy Kennedy or a facilitator like Hillary Clinton. That's, that's why this, this rape stuff is so crazy-making, because what they're taking away from you when they give you everything what they're taking away from you when they give you everything is your free will. You know, this, I, I started out by talking about Childhood's End, this sci-fi show I watched, and I didn't want to give too much of it away, but the very basic premise of it is these aliens come down out of nowhere called the overlords, 
and they say to man, we're going to give you paradise. You just have to turn your will over to us. And the people say no, and they go back the, to the Democrat National Committee. And that's, no, I, I made that part up. But that's really what it's about, and it, it raises all these questions. All right, enough of that. Let's talk about something more pleasant. Let's talk about stuff I like. I've been talking about musicals all week because I wanted to start the, week, to start the year on an up note, and musicals are always happy. It's really hard to find good movie ones, and I'm making this recommendation with a caveat. This is one of my favorite musicals. I, musicals are always called musical comedy because cute things happen and people get married at the end, but they're never funny. They're never really funny, and the songs are never really that funny. This is the exception. It's really the only exception. It's called A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. If you've never seen it, there is a movie of it. The, this is the problem. The movie of it is okay. The movie of it is okay. If you can't see a good production of it, get the cast album with either Zero Mostel or Nathan Lane. It's based on, it's written by, uh, the book is written by Larry Gelbart, who wrote MASH, and uh, he wrote for Sid Caesar, and your show shows this also. He had a collaborator on this, but the music and words are by Stephen Sondheim before he got all weird and experimental. And the, the, the lyrics are unbelievably hilarious. There's a song in this about a Roman general coming to town that is just absolutely uh, hysterically funny. The thing I could find online that I can play a little bit of for you is the great Nathan Lane, one of just one of the great Broadway performers, is performing in front of the president, in front of Obama. And this, this is taken, the story is taken from the Roman playwright Plautus. It's a, a kind of a development of Plautus's comedies. And the story involves a slave named Pseudolus. The names alone are hilarious. His name is Pseudolus, and he belongs to a young man named Hero. And Hero is in love with this beautiful young girl who has been auctioned off, has been sold off to this general. And Hero comes to his slave Pseudolus and says, get me that girl. And Pseudolus says, I'll get you that girl if you'll set me free. That's kind of the theme of the play, if you'll set me free. And the hero agrees, and Pseudolus sings this wonderful song about what freedom means. And just this is just the end of that song as Nathan Lane performed it for the present. Be you anything from king to baker of cakes, you're a vegetable unless you're free. It's a little word, but oh, the difference it makes. It's the necessary essence of democracy. It's the thing that every slave should have the right to be. And I soon will have the right to buy a slave for me. Can you see him? Well, I'll free him. When a pseudolist can move, the universe shakes. But I'll never move until I'm free. Such a little word, but oh, the difference it makes. I'll be pseudolist, the founder of a family. I'll be pseudolist, the pillar of society. I'll be pseudolist, the man, if I can only be free. Sing it! Free! Spell it! F-R-double! No, the long way! F-R-E! Yeah, it's a little word, but oh, the difference it makes. Don't forget it, folks. Free. I know you won't forget it. I'm Andrew Clavin. This is The Andrew Clavin Show. I'll see you tomorrow.